domes. They've upset her ever since she was a child, like clowns do. Then the flakes clouding the interior fall to the bottom, and he sees himself standing in front of a toy soldier's stall, trapped within the glass walls. Papa? Papa? Shit. The television screen covered in gray snow. His son's voice the pain in his neck from having fallen asleep in the worst possible position. The dream had been so real on Reyes' night. You were shouting. Shit. When your own son wakes you out of a nightmare, the moment has come to resign as a father, thought Hector as he sat up on the sofa, sore and in bad humor. I fell asleep here. And what are you doing awake at this time of night? he counterattacked. Guillermo shrugged his shoulders without saying anything, as Ruth would have done, as Ruth had done so many times. In an automatic gesture, Hector searched for a cigarette and lit it. Cigarette butts were spilling out of the ashtray. Don't worry, I won't fall asleep here again. Go to bed. And don't forget we're going out early tomorrow. His son nodded. As he watched him walk barefoot toward his room, he thought how hard it was to act as a father without Ruth. Guillermo wasn't yet fifteen, but at times, looking at his face, you would say he was much older. There was a premature seriousness in his features that pained Hector more than he cared to admit. He took a long drag on his cigarette and, without knowing why, pressed the button on the remote He couldn't even remember what he'd put on that night. With the first few images, that still black-and-white photo of Jean-Paul Belmondo and Jean Seberg, he recognized it and remembered. Breathless. Ruth's favorite film. He didn't feel up to watching it again. Approximately ten hours earlier, Hector had been contemplating the white walls of the psychologist's practice, a space he knew well, a tad uncomfortable. As usual, the kid was taking his time before beginning the session, and Hector still hadn't worked out if those minutes of silence served to gauge his state of mind or if the guy was simply a slow starter. In any case, this morning, six months after his first visit, Inspector Salgado wasn't in the mood to wait. He cleared his throat, crossed and uncrossed his legs, then finally leaned forward and said, Would you mind if we started? Of course. And the psychologist raised his eyes from his papers, although he added nothing further. He remained silent, interrogating the inspector with his gaze. He had an absent-minded air that— combined with his youthful features, made you think of one of those child prodigies who solve complex equations at the age of six, but at the same time are incapable of kicking a football without falling over. A false impression, Hector knew. The kid took few shots, certainly. However, when he fired, he was on target. In fact, the therapy sessions, which had begun as a work requirement— had become a routine, weekly at first, then fortnightly, that Hector had followed of his own volition. So that morning he took a deep breath, as he'd learned, before answering. Really sorry.
The day didn't start off well. He leaned back and fixed his eyes on a corner of the office. And I don't think it will end any better. Difficulties at home? You don't have teenagers, do you? It was an absurd question, given that his listener would have to have been a father at fifteen to have offspring of Guillermo's age. He remained quiet for a moment to reflect. Then, in a tired voice, he went on, But it's not that. Guillermo is a good boy. I think the problem is that he was never a problem. It was true, and although many fathers would be satisfied by this apparent obedience, Hector was worried by what he didn't know. What was going on in his son's head was a mystery. He'd never complained. His marks were normal, never excellent, but never bad.